Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Well, on Tuesday, my phone started going off. It, it was an alert. <laughs> More than likely, you received it too. Many thought it was an evacuation alert or some disaster or maybe a, a missing adult or an Amber Alert, but it turned out to be the COVID update. Now, we already heard all about the new state orders, and, and, and we knew all about the information that was coming our way. It was kind of alarming. You know, one of the great encouragements to me in the midst of such a strange time and, and alerts is that God does not need an alert. He doesn't need the media because nothing catches him off guard. God is described in the Old Testament, and you can write this down, as the God who goes before you. The God who goes before you. Deuteronomy 31 and and verse 8 says, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And of course, Jesus Christ quotes this very passage to his disciples when he says, I I will never leave you nor forsake you. God is speaking. And he speaks to his people in Isaiah 45, verse 2. And here's what he says. I will go before you and level the mountains, and I will break down gates of bronze, and I will cut through the bars of iron. And so just understand that there is no mountain so high that God cannot level it. And understand that even in this season, with all that's going on, with all that's in front of us, it seems like one mountain after another after another. And it's not just that God gives us strength to overcome the mountains. It's not just that he gives us what we need to climb the mountain. It's that God has the power to level the mountains. He's the curse reverser, and he's the mountain leveler. And so we worship the God who's gone before us, who will never leave you, never forsake you. And he reminds you, even in this season, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. The last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the life of Job through the book of Job. And we've been learning together that Job really wants to know that that God knows, that God's paying attention. And Job's main complaint against God is not that God is, well, at a lack of control. His main complaint against God is his awareness. Do you know what I'm going through, God? Maybe you've said that to the Lord in this season. Job Well, he's not sure that God realizes what's happening. And so the message that Job seems to be trying to get is, God, God, can you see all this? Can you see me? Do I have your attention? If I could just get the right information in front of God at the right moment, if I could just make him aware of what's going on in my life. And he wants to make sure that God really knows, that God knows he's lost his business, he's lost his family, he's lost his economy, he's lost his health, and now his body's falling apart. In fact, we read in the book of Job that Job had these painful sores that 
covered his body. And Job describes what he's going through in Job chapter 30, verse 27 and 28. He says, the churning inside me never stops. Days of suffering confront me. I go about blackened, but not by the sun. I stand up in the assembly and I cry for help. In in other words, there's just no end to this. I go about blackened, but not by the sun. I stand up in the assembly and I, I cry for help. And it's as if there's no place for me to go. I have nowhere left to turn. And Job wants to know, God, you hear that? God, do you know me? God, do you you care? In the midst of this season, for you and for me, we're, we're, we're hearing from people all around us who are struggling. Does God know? Uh, the word for know in the Hebrew is the word yada, Y-A-D-A, yada. And in Scripture, it's the word that communicates a deep understanding and an intimate knowledge. Whenever you study the, the meaning of the word yada in Scripture, one of the first things that you do is you go back to the first time it was used. And the first time it was used was in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 1. And it's in that context of a relationship between Adam and Eve, between a husband and a wife. And it says this, Adam knew his wife Eve. He knew his wife. And if you pull out your Hebrew dictionary, these words mean the same thing throughout all of the Old Testament. Uh, To know, and you could write this down, to, to know completely and to be completely known. It's a word of intimacy where Adam was with his wife and he knew her intimately. It's a connection at every level. Now, if you trace this word through the Old Testament, you'll find Over and over again, this word also describes the relationship God wants to have with us. Over and over again, it's the word that communicates that God knows you intimately and completely. So as we kind of keep our place mark in Job, I want you to consider David in Psalm 139. Some familiar words for us. And the word yada is used six times to describe how God knows us throughout this passage. So let me read Psalm 139, verses 1 to 4. O Lord, you've examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or I stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I am going to say before I say it, Lord. Now, some people would be afraid of God. (laughs) He knows what I'm thinking. He he knows where I've been. He knows what I've done. So I stay away from him. But I think the contrary is true. Because God knows everything. We have a place we can run to. He knows us intimately. And here's what I love to say. God is the one who knows me best. And the one who loves me most, the one who knows me best, loves me most. And when you're hurting and when you're struggling and when you're anxious and when you're uncertain, this is the great comfort of knowing that God knows, yada. And that's what I want you to know today. 
And my first main point is this. When you are surrounded by the unknown, we can find comfort in knowing that God knows. I keep hearing unknown, uncertain, but we are certain about our God, and we know that our God knows. This ultimately is what ends up giving Job so much comfort. In Job's uh, chapter 38 and 39 and 40, God speaks back to Job, and as we've seen, he asks Job a series of questions about the universe and then about the animal kingdom. And if you read through this section of Scripture, the word you'll find again and again, almost like a refrain, is the word yada in different variations and different places. Every time God is asking, Job, do you know? Job, do you know about the different species of animals? Do you know about the laws of the universe? Job, do you know about the expanse of the earth? Job, do you know about the mountain goat? And when they give birth, you know what makes the hawk spread its wings and fly south? Do you know those things? Job, do you know? And here's what's happening. As you read through this, you see yada, yada, yada. Job, do you know? Do you know? What what if we put your name in there? Do you know? Steve, Bob, Jim, Shirley, Susie. Do you know? Do you know? Jenny, do you know? You don't know. Job, you don't know. But what else is God saying? God is saying, I do know. And the comforting thing to all of us is that all these questions that you don't know the answer to, I know the answer to them. That was the purpose. And so in anguish, Job cries out that he's experiencing incredible hardship and difficulty, lots of pain and suffering. And God says, I know, Job, I know. And back in Psalm 139, David is talking about the fact that God knows him and he uses the human body as evidence for the fact that he's known intimately by God. He points to the way that we're made biologically as an evidence that God knows what's happening in our lives. Psalm 139, verse 13 to 15, reads this way. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. And David puts all this in perspective about how he sees God. I love what St. Augustine said. He said, men go abroad to wonder at the height of mountains, at the huge waves of the sea, at the long courses of the river, at the vast compass of the oceans at the circular motion of the stars, and they pass by themselves without ever wondering. In other words, within you and within me is the evidence that that God cares. In fact, DNA is sometimes called the signature of God. That there's one strand of DNA that has enough information to be stored in a million-page encyclopedia. 
Just one strand of your DNA contains that kind of information that God knows us better than we know ourselves. I mean, consider the human body. Consider the human brain. The brain has around 30 billion working sections. (laughs) 30 billion. It's able to coordinate with 3 trillion nerve cells. Or think about your ears. Your ears have around 24,000 hair-like cells in your inner ear which react to sound and they convert the sound to nerve impulses that allow you to hear. Boy, it's all beyond my understanding, but it's amazing. And if you're watching this with somebody that you know, take a moment. Take a moment. Go ahead and see who has the biggest, longest thumb in the room. I'll give you a second. Who's got the biggest thumb? (laughs) Now, if you're uh, online uh, at 8 o'clock and you're on either live stream or Facebook live, you can go ahead and comment. Just say, I've got the biggest thumb. Well, here's something that's pretty interesting to know. That your thumb, that your thumb is the size or the length of your nose. Go ahead and put it up there, right at the top of your nose. And right to the base, guess what? That's the length of your nose. And it's that way for everyone. Now, your nose will get bigger as you get older, but it doesn't get longer. It may seem like it, but it doesn't. Well, that's not the best part of the sermon, but at least it's interesting. (laughs) Your thumb, your nose. The heart pumps on average about 100,000 times a day. It pumps 2,000 gallons of blood through your body. And that blood travels endlessly through 60,000 miles of blood vessels. And it makes that trip in less than a minute. Or consider your kidneys. 40 miles of tubing. And it can clean 500 gallons of blood every single day you're alive. There's around in your body some 46 and a half miles of nerves that just run throughout your entire body, and nerve impulse can travel at the speed of about 270 feet per second. David in Psalm 139, he says, we, we, we take some time to just think about how we've been thoughtfully and intentionally designed. Because when we reflect on that, we begin to understand that God knows. God knows what he's doing. And God knows everything about you. David's words in Psalm 139, verse 14 to 16, say this. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit how I was sculpted from nothing into something like an open book. You watch me grow from conception to birth, and all the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I even lived one day. The Message Bible paraphrase. And it's great. You see, in the end, it seems to me that this is really where Job lands. And here's where he did. Nothing escapes God's attention. I pray that you embrace that. That he is comforted by the realization that nothing that has happened to him 
has escaped God's attention. Before asking Job all these questions that clarify the knowledge that he has, God spoke to him. Job 38 and verse 2, and here's what he says. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Job, why do you talk without knowing what you're talking about? And then he also asks these questions. And after the questions, here's Job's response in chapter 40, verse 4. I'm unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. Now remember, God knows what we don't, and God understands what we can't. God knows what we don't, and God understands what we can't. And Job realizes that God knows what he doesn't, that nothing has escaped God's attention. So Job, maybe I should just be quiet. He puts his hand over his mouth. And here's what we see in the Bible, in the book of Job. When everything falls apart, when everything is broken around him, a couple of things come forward. That we should be comforted that God knows, and we should be confident that God will redeem. Let me say it again. We should be comforted that God knows, and we should be confident that God will redeem. He will take care of us. There's a lot that Job doesn't know, but what he does know is that God will redeem. And right in the middle of the book, in Job, he declares what he does know. Job 19.25, I know that my Redeemer lives and that he will stand upon the earth at last. There's a lot that Job doesn't know. There's a lot that's happening to him that's confusing. There's so many questions that he has, he doesn't have the answers. But here's what he does know. I know my Redeemer lives, and one day he will put the pieces back together. One day he will make things right. One day my Redeemer will do what only he can do. Job is not in denial. He's not saying that everything is fine, looking the other way. What he's saying is, my Redeemer, and he's saying it to us, your Redeemer lives, so live like it. That in the end, he's going to have the final word. Remember, God is at work. And God will give us eyes to see him and to see him working in ways that we have never realized before. Are we living in a strange time? No doubt about it. A time we didn't see coming? No doubt about it. A time we didn't plan? That's right. But it's a time that we can declare, I trust in God. Who can we believe? Who can we trust? Who, who's right? Who has our best interest in mind? And the answer, God. Believe in God. Trust in God. God is right. And his plans for you and me are always good. There's a lot I don't know about this season. But I know that my Redeemer lives. And I know he can bring good from all that's happening to us. Job 19, 25 and 27 says, But as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and he will stand upon the earth at last. 
And after my body has decayed, yet in my body I will see God and I will see him for myself. Yes, I will see him with my own eyes. I'm overwhelmed at the thought. Job spoke those words thousands of years before Jesus, the great Redeemer, was born, before the very first Christmas day. Love coming to earth in Jesus. And of course, with his life and his death, he redeems our lives even now. And he turns broken things into beautiful things. He turns graves into gardens. He turns mountains into pathways. The last three weeks, we've, we've been intentionally speaking about and, and teaching on this life of Job and not focusing so much on all the chaos in our world. We've been intentionally taking our eyes off of ourselves and putting our eyes on our great God who made the earth, who made the animals, who put the stars in the skies and knows their names. We've shifted our focus off the mountains and onto the God who levels the mountains. And my prayer for you and for me is that we would experience what Job experienced. Will we be able to, to say along with him in chapter 42 and verse 5? It's been the theme for this series. Before all of this, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Dear ones, will you see God? Will you look for his presence and not his absence? Will you take your eyes off the headlines and off the Dow Jones and take your eyes off, excuse me for saying it, all the words that politicians are saying? And just for a while, focus on God. See his fingerprints all over you. And like St. Augustine, I love nature. I love surf beach. I love Montano de Oro. I think it's gorgeous. But look in the mirror and recognize that God made you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Before your first day on this planet, God knew you inside your mother's womb. Look to him. Trust him. And in this season of Advent where we celebrate Jesus Christ coming to earth, Get intimate with him. He, he knows you, and he wants you to know him. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you're our redeemer, and I thank you that you live, that you're alive. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, help us to see you now. Help us to see you working in our midst, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of tragedy. Help us to see a God who cares, a good God, a gracious God. And help us all to grow in our faith towards your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer, the power of his resurrection. And God, if there's anybody that's watching this, that's listening to this, and they've yet to give their life to you, to trust your Son, Jesus, to believe in their heart and confess with their lips, that Jesus Christ is Lord. May they do that now. Dear ones, I encourage you to do that even now. And let us know that you're saying yes to Jesus. We'd love to pray with you and send you some great materials to get you started uh, on your way. You can leave a comment or you can email us at office at lompocfoursquare.com. 
or call us. We're here for you. And let's continue to know that God knows us, that we have his attention, and he cares for us more than we know. May God bless you. Have a great week. Next week will be our Christmas theme. We're going to be talking about the King of Kings and then our Christmas Eve service that will be uh, live at 5 p.m. online for you and then on demand. And also our outdoor venue, Christmas Eve service, 6 p.m. I know you've been hearing about it, but I personally want to invite you. Have a great day and a great week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.